and welcome back to another impactful night of the Impact Education Leadership. This is episode 178. I'm your host, ID34, Isaac Jerome III. Tonight's panelist is Buddy Thornton, public social change agent pro. Buddy Thornton, please say hello to the people. Hello, everybody, and it is a thrill to be back on, and thank you for inviting me, Isaiah. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I know we can always tell you to dig deep. And with that being said, tonight's topic is Choice Dynamics After Victimology. After Victimology. And so before we even get started tonight on this podcast, what was the first thought that came to your mind when you heard a topic for tonight, sir? Because I know you wrote the book about choice dynamics. What was your thought, sir? My first thought about this topic is that some people tend to circle around victimology as a lifestyle. But this conversation would not be for those people. This conversation is for people who are striving to do their best, trying to move forward with their lives, and get caught up in some type of a dynamic which creates a problem for them and gives them a sense of being a victim. And it also offers them a way to pivot away from victimology thinking and getting back on track. And, uh, you know, people struggle with that. Especially when you understand the research shows that 85% of the thoughts that go through our head on a daily basis are negatively aligned, meaning, am I good enough? Was I smart enough? Did I make the right decision? Is that person going to like me? All those are negative connotations. They do not have a forward or positive looking basis. So yeah, I think this topic is very apropos and I appreciate you bringing it to the table. Oh, absolutely. We're going to dig right in. You ready? Here we go. So what, how is this topic linked to self-sabotaging? You got things going on. Yeah, you got a background. Things have happened to you. You've been resilient. You bounced back. You got through it. You're more than a conqueror. However, the backdrop of your mind is, okay, they're still out to get me. They're still coming for me. It's not going to be an easy road. It's going to be a rough road. I'm always have to look over my shoulders because I've been the victim before and I want to make sure I'm not a victim again, but it, it becomes a little bit unbalanced to the point that now you are victimizing yourself. How do we get away from self-sabotaging as it relates to this topic tonight with Choice Dynamics? That's the first question. What's your thoughts, sir? One of the things that people have to understand is that humans in general have a trope in their head. They have this schema that they play over and over and over in their head. And unless the expectations are exactly dead on, the problem they run into repeatedly is that any small bump in the road, any sliver of you know disinterest or or a feeling that they have not made they have not made the failure to a point is something that they have to attach to their own psyche. The U.S. Department of Justice conducted a study about violent crime and found that 1.4 million in 2018 to 1.2 million in 2019 were victims of violent crime since 2015. Children in Pacific environments may not display healthy behavior because it's not shown in front of them, even in the early stages of development, where key building blocks to learning begin. 
So tonight is really going to be a continuation of a podcast Well, several podcasts we've had uh, I think it was podcast 107, 108 About Choice Dynamics And we want to use this to uh, help us navigate around self-sabotaging Because, you know, let, let me just ask that question really quick While we get started Buddy Thornton, Positive Change Agent Pro We call you the Positive Social Change Agent Pro Because you're able to answer questions like this uh, especially for leadership, especially for people that have been placed in leadership positions as overseers, right? And so when dealing with victimology, when we have survived victimology, when we have endured it, when we become overcomers, why then do we still wrestle with self-sabotaging ourselves as being victimized all over again when there's a bumpy road? What's your thoughts? Well, as I noted in my original response to the tonight's talk, 85% of the thoughts that go through the human brain are negative or questioning connotations. We don't tend to circle on positivity. We don't tend to circle on gratitude because we're always in a constant search for optimization. Uh, humans, they are on an eternal pecking order chase. You know, if we're not ahead, we're behind. If we're behind, we want to be ahead. So anything that creates in our mind any kind of self-doubt or any type of a barrier to moving forward in, in what we consider through our expectations an optimal way to get through life, it creates self-doubt. And when we are victimized, what that does is that reinforces the self-doubt. You know, and most of the time people do not know or they cannot place their figure on exactly why they were victimized. They were victimized sometimes as a completely uh, just out of a random uh, act of violence, or even if it is a targeted act of violence, it stems from something that they believe was put away in their past. And so when they, they get that reinforcing victimization situation thrust upon them, they, it's like falling into a deep well. Now they have to climb back out of that deep well. A lot of times they anchor on trying to understand about what the victimology is. What they don't understand is that it's in the past. Even if it happened five minutes ago, an hour ago, three days ago, it's in the past. The only way it can negatively impact us moving forward is if we allow it to be chained to us. So people do tend to... You know, they, they worry. They have this connotation of, wow, that happened to me. I can't believe that happened to me. How can I prevent that from happening to me? So then a large amount of their intelligence is anchored on looking at that trope, that schema that happened. And so they don't have enough neural uh, competency to move past it without either getting help or just the passage of time. Because time may not heal all things, but time does tend to shrink this victimology. So we have to understand that that's the problem. People anchor on it because usually it's unexpected. So when it happens, it reinforces those 85% of our thoughts about negative. Wow, that was so good. That was so well said. So well said. You talked about self-doubt and there are many factors that come along with that like anxiety for one, depression, procrastination, whether it be in a job, even a relationship, 
that procrastination or, or that lack of motivation, that lack of intrinsic, the inner motivation. And of course, emotional, how we say, what would you say, instability. But I believe that there are some good things about self-doubt too in a way that helps you to self-analyze. I think that's important, especially today with so much technology, so much AI, to analyze yourself and see yourself in the picture and, and see where you fit. Where do I fit in this picture? Where do, I, where do I fit in this frame? How can I you know, navigate around my environment in a way that's competitive, but co-opetition more or less than I would say competition where I'm coming into a team and I'm competitive but it's helping the whole unit it's helping strengthen everyone in that unit and so that self-doubt and that type of scenario what's your thoughts about the the pros and cons of self-doubt as it relates to choice dynamics and the conversation we're talking tonight what's your thoughts well, what you really need to do is you need to envision uh, like a teeter-totter in the uh, in the schoolyard. You know, for one side to be up, the other side has to be down. Self-doubt tends to be the fulcrum in the middle of our behavioral teeter-totter. When we are circling around with self-doubt, we're always going to be looking for why did it happen and how can I get that? Because everything else is a set piece. The who, what, when, and where make no difference whatsoever. It's always the why and the how that count. So when we look at that self-doubt, we know that it's being triggered. We know that it's being triggered by the trauma that we've experienced. Therefore, the lingering effect is the victimology. But the self-doubt also triggers another response. Once we're past any kind of fear scenario, now we can circle back into our higher brain power, our neural cortex, and we can start looking for the, how do I get away from self-doubt? Because the drive is always toward optimization. In Maslow's hierarchy, we are always looking for a, try, a way to get to self-actualization or even above that transcendence. And so that's an imperative that we, can know, we just can't avoid. Self-doubt, yes, is a very powerful trigger that allows us to get past that. So you are correct. Sometimes, uh, as a coach once told me, sometimes you can stumble around in the dark and get absolutely nowhere, but if you fall dead flat on your face and you get up and take stock of where you're at, now you can make progress. And that is the role of self-doubt. Oh, it's going to be good tonight. It's going to be good tonight. You're listening to Buddy Thornton Puzzles, Change Agent Pro. He's one of our special guests. He's family. He's almost, this is his podcast as well because he's on here so much. And you see why, because there's so much for him to pour out uh, to the listening audience. And I hope you take your, your, your notebooks out and you're writing because I know I will be going back listening to this episode and be taking notes and building myself up and becoming better and adding value. It's all about adding value to you because when you add value to yourself, then you become valuable to others because you have something to give. Uh, going back to the topic tonight, how humans perceive their surroundings and determine their preferred goals is always influenced by choices. 
the choices that they face, the choices that they have experienced, and how they navigate those choices. Even in academia, even in the school, for those educators listening in, for those school teachers listening in, for those principals listening in, for those paraprofessionals that are listening in, for those uh, school board leaders and, and superintendents listening in, th those teachers undertake this arduous task of coordinating learning tasks while engaging with uh, infinitely different student learning styles, behaviors, backgrounds, and they all have their own worldview. And sometimes it can be nonlinear when they are putting together these lesson plans to accommodate all of these competencies. And, and this is why choice dynamics is such a powerful topic that we are, are dubbing to we were dubbing this part this project, this this podcast tonight. It's really a project because we have Buddy Thornton here who, who wrote several books, who has a series out right now about choice dynamics. But before we go any further, Buddy Thornton, Postal Change Agent Pro, what you been doing? What you got going on? What have you been up to? Talk about it. <laughs> well, right now, I've, I've obviously got several legs of the stool in, in play, but I've been creating a new platform that Randy Blake and I are going to be delivering uh, live in person at, to different venues around the country that focuses on mental health and suicide prevention, specifically for martial arts uh, participants, but also for athletes and young people everywhere. And it's going to be very, very dynamic, and that's going to be audience participation expected at every venue. Um, I've also been continuing my uh, my Slippery Slope series. Book five, The Immutable Laws of Choice, will be coming out shortly. And book six, which is specifically titled Choice Dynamics and Tough Conversations, Tough Choices, will follow that about three months after. Uh, it's, uh, it's always a joy to pursue pro-social issues. And, you know, I, the feedback I get from my fans and my readers is very positive. And I just believe that every choice we make should be towards some end. Uh, that's that's my goal. That's what I try to do. So that's how I uh, that move forward. Absolutely powerful. You, you, you're doing so much. You're, you're pulling in key people in, in the community, globally. Uh, Randy, he's a, he's a world five-time world heavyweight champion kickboxer. Uh, I mean, boom, boom, uh, for short. Uh, it's just it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I was just on the phone last week with um, an up-and-coming panelist that's going to come up uh, and, and talk about what happened with him. But we met him in Las Vegas, buddy, and he's a sheriff out there in Louisville, um, um, uh, Louisville, Kentucky. And I, I called him up on the phone just because of the podcast, and he was like, Isaiah, it's been a crazy day. I was involved uh, with the incident that you're going to hear about later on where a, a guy came into a bank and started shooting at the place. Well, he got the, the dispatch call, and he was one of the officers that had to rush in and 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 just manage that situation, so to speak. And so I'm like, what? And then, true, true enough, next morning, all over the news. And so those people in that bank were victims. They were victimized. 
And so now that changed their whole life. The, the whole trajectory of their life has been changed. And so this is why topics like this are so detrimental to our society. Because there's going to be choices that these people will have to make coming back to work. And so there, there is so much hidden in plain sight when it comes to choice dynamics. Buddy, let me just ask you, because this is your topic. This is your lane. What is the beauty of choice dynamics? And why has it been hidden for so long in plain sight? That's my question. Well, first, before I go into answering that, I want to say that a lot of the uh, response of people to victimology depends on uh, how the first responders react and how they perform in front of people, especially people who are directly involved in becoming victims due to some random act of violence. And uh, the gentleman that you're talking about, uh, yes, we met him in Vegas, and uh, you know he is... Uh, he has had decades of experience with dealing with people. And when he walks out the door at the end of the day, he knows, A, there's no way he can avoid the fact that they were victims. But if he treats them with a level of humanity, he can lessen the pain and he can lessen the curve. And he can also give them hope that there is some positive future that they can move toward. So, what is the beauty of choice dynamics? Well, let's break it down this way. Time, we, we know, is very linear. We never move backwards in time. That's the reality of time. But humans think in nonlinear space. We think about the future and the things that we can do today that will impact the future. We think about the past and how that impacts the choices we make about what we're doing today and how we prepare for tomorrow. That's nonlinear. And so we have to live in an abstract space that shares linear and nonlinear thinking simultaneously. The beauty of choice dynamics is choice can come from any spot in that nonlinear space. But we have to reorganize it, reframe it, and put it into the trajectory of linear time so that we can say, okay, yes, this happened yesterday. This is happening now. This is what I'd like to happen tomorrow. And how do I make sure that I can control as much as I possibly can? What is going to happen tomorrow? It's been hidden in plain sight because a lot of people over the decades and centuries have tried to, to debate whether free will is an actuality or not. And because humans more and more think in the nonlinear space, free will does come into play. Yes, uh, if we uh, have a faith-based belief system and we know that God has a plan for us, he definitely is not going to reveal that plan to us except in very minute details, very tiny little spots. He's going to throw something out there and we're going to have to go to read the signs and we're going to have to move in that direction. But beyond that, he did create us to have free will. And so we can decide, no, I'm not going to be a victim. Or, yes, I'm going to help somebody else who was a victim today, which is what the first responders do. And it is incredibly important for people to understand that when you're faced with a decision, there's only three choices you can make. No, I'm not going to get involved. Well, I will if I have to. Or when can I start? Can I get, can I get in there right now? Those are the three choices you can have to choice. 
And a lot of people have never looked at choice from that layer. You know, when we are looking at those choices, we also try to teach behaviors. And the three behaviors that we focus on is we need to illustrate what is wrong so that people understand what they should not do, what might be okay, which is within the realm of possibility, but then what should be right. But it is also imperative for teachers, especially administrators, those school board members, those trustees you're talking about, they need to understand that we need to put a menu of what is right in front of students and in front of the parents who are trying to teach those students and the teachers because we can't dictate one item. We can't dictate it has to be this way. Parents view life as a risk continuum when it comes to their children. I did it when I had my children were small. I still do it today as a great-grandfather. And so I believe that viewing risk gives me the right to try to control as much of that risk as possible. But you and I both know the very word victimology means that we have literally no way to control 100% of our environment. So the beauty of choice dynamics is that Yes, we can control our behavior, we control what we do and how we think and what we focus on and our goals, but we have no right to choose for other people. And it's been hidden in plain sight for a long time because, unfortunately, politics, religion, all the other things that revolve around us in the modern society anchors on people trying to control other people, or if not control them, at least it's so it remains hidden. People need to embrace that they do have the right to make choices, and within the framework of what is socially acceptable and legal, they should be allowed to make those choices. So that's the beauty of choice. But that's also why it's been hidden so long. Oh, wow. Okay, let's go further. But the reason why I love asking you to come on to this podcast is because of what's about to happen now. And I'm, I'm about to throw you a curveball, but I know you can handle it. Let's talk about the invisible, the invisible areas, that invisible area that we call the vortex. And we call it the vortex because it sucks you in. What happened to so many people? You talk about school shootings. You talk about youth suicide. You talk about people going into a bank. You talk about war. You, you, you talk about those bad experiences. And when they happen, they suck you in. They turn you upside down. They change the way you think. They change your behavior. They change the way you, you act. They change the way you respond because they change your stimuli. It's chemical. And so, from a psychosocial perspective, how does motivation impact transformation especially with our students especially 
with someone that has been victimized from life's experiences. That's my question. Do you, do you understand that question I just asked? Or do I need to... Do I need absolutely. To, okay, okay. No, I have... Talk about no, it. No, absolutely. That's a very good question. Isaiah, you hit the nail on the head. First of all, when someone has been victimized, especially if it's fresh, raw, it's biting them right in the arm, right in the neck. They feel completely suppressed. And they feel possibly, depending on what group they are in society, they could... It could be anchoring in being disenfranchised or being disadvantaged or perhaps they're in a very tough socioeconomic uh, environment. They are going to be vacillating between the fear response of fight, flight, freeze, and being able to use critical thinking. The more we force people into a fear-based environment, the less chances are that they're going to be able to make good quality decisions because their brain just simply isn't wired that way. Humans have to protect themselves. Survival is an instinctual response of the amygdala, and it is something that we have absolutely no way to control. If we feel that fear is there, we are going to have to either fight, hide, or just run like heck. Because that's all we have available. Avoidance is the number one thing right now because people don't feel that they have the ability to run. So they're either going to fight or they're going to freeze in place. And so now you have an entire generation because of COVID who is aligned into a social victimology and they're vacillating between their fear response and an abstraction of who am I? How do I fit within this current social environment? You want to think about motivation? Well, you've got to get them out of the fear response first. And once you get them out of the fear response first, now you can work with them. The number one thing to do is get them to understand the four pillars. They have to understand that they have to know who they are, why they are who they are, and what makes them who they are, because between the ages of 12 and about 20, 22, 25, they're all going to be thinking about just two very simple things. How do I impact myself socially in a positive way? And how do I fit within the social fabric of what is around me? You know, it's, a lot of people want, uh, especially parents, they want their kids to start focusing on well, what do you want to become in the future? Well, at the age of 12, 13, 14, they're not prepared for that yet. They haven't even determined who they are yet. How can they determine what they want? A lot of kids who are reaching 18, 19, 20 still haven't answered those questions because parents tend to over-control through expectations. And so they take the intrinsic motivation that should be a driver for these kids, and they force it underground. They try to use all types of extrinsic motivation factors. You know, if you get good grades, I'll do this. If you do this, I'm going to do that. The reward system needs to be flipped to where the, the child believes that they can reward themselves or get rewarded from a abstract position, not from a tangible position. And that's one of the problems we have in modern society. 
abstraction is important. And I believe that until you can get the kids to want to be there, they're going to be circling around with that three response dynamic that I told you. If you try to force them to do something based on your expectations, they really only have two choices, no or if I have. That's, that's the hinge point. That's that fulcrum that we were talking about earlier. But if you get them into the intrinsic motivation where they can see that they have a path forward, now it becomes, when can I start? Because I understand that there is a value to my choice, not your choice for me. And that's the psychosocial failure in society today. This conversation is rich, rich. Please share this episode with your friends, with your colleague, with your family. I guarantee you're going to add value to their lives. Let me go back. Blake Thornton, thank you so much for that response. Wow. You know, let me say this. I've been hearing the, the phrase support systems all of my life support system support system have a support system have someone that you you can go to in time of of need have someone that can be a, a pillar have someone that can you know help you through life have have some type of guidance have some type of counselor have some type of mentor have have the right types of friends getting the right networking systems and you know all of these are characterized as support systems but there's a belief system that one must have to be connected to the right support systems in a way that co-creation not only is a protection mechanism but is a way it's essential to success and to being your best self. My question, and wow, we almost out of time. All right, my question is this. Why is co-creation so important when it comes to choice dynamics? Especially if you want to be successful and be your best self. That's, that's my question. Well, let me ask you a question back. And it's a rhetorical question. I don't expect the response because I already know how you would respond. <laughs> okay. But if someone is if someone is telling you you have to do something, you're going to create blowback in your mind, subconsciously. You're going to create blowback because the first question you're going to ask is, "You want me to do that, but is it what I would choose to do for myself?" So. Put yourself in the position of a 13 or 14 year old child who's in school and they're being told, you must do this, not that. Now, there are some things in life that are essential. So we know that and we understand. But we have to allow the student to embrace the value based on their perception of what they would like to see in their future not what we want to force on them as their future. And so co-creation becomes that tricking. It's, a, it's just a, a tripping point that parents have to get beyond. 
do I dictate to my child or do I have a conversation with my child about what is it that you really see as being impactful in your life and how can I make that happen for you? I'll give you an example. When I was 11 years old, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to do some of the traditional things that some of the other boys would do because I was a small child at that point. And so I, I talked to my mother and my father and I said, look, I want to do something different, but I want to continue to grow as a person. And I want to get into public speaking. I want to get into leadership. I want to try to do something like that because I don't see that I'm going to be impactful uh, in competition otherwise. And instead of saying, no, we want you to focus on becoming an attorney or a doctor or whatever they saw in their head, they said, okay, how can we make this happen? So they found a mentor for me and they put me on a path to learn how to speak in public and how to learn what I was, who I was in the social fabric. And even though this was back in the 60s and early 70s, it was very impactful and it has stayed with me to this day. And I'm almost 70 years old now. So the bottom line is very simple because they co-created with me. They did not dictate to me. I jumped in with both feet. Students need to believe that they're going to be listened to and that their version of a choice has value to the adult in the room, whether it's the parent, teacher, caregiver, counselor, whatever. It doesn't matter who it is. If you're not giving them value in what they believe, they are certainly going to blow back and they are not going to listen to you. And that's why we have rebellion and that's why we have misbehavior. It's because they're not being listened to. They don't believe they have value. And if they have no value, then why? what do they have to protect in their life? So co-creation is the most relevant path to putting children onto a positive future. You find what's right, and you find it based on their choices, their desires. Can you dictate the menu a little bit? Absolutely. You know there's some things that are not going to be available just based on your own environment, your own dynamic, your own social position, whatever. But within the framework of what is possible... You find what's right in their mind. You define it by what is almost right, but not quite right. And then you add your years of experience and perspective and say, I love where you want to go. Let's find a way to do it together. But here are some of the pitfalls you need to be aware of. Here are some of the things you're going to have to do to achieve what you have decided is important to you. Are you ready for that ride? And when you do that, you get the only possible response, which is, when can I start? How can I get on this train? How can I run as fast as I possibly can? But you have to remember that being the control monster is the opposite of the co-creation. Parents who are control monsters only get blowback. They don't get buy-in. They don't get collaboration. The, the defining point for every parent that they must understand is that they are here to create a fully functional adult, it is not up to them to determine what that fully functional adult wants or will do in their lifetime. Because it is their future, not yours. It's not the parents. It's not the teachers. It is not your future you're playing with. It's their future. You've got to allow them to have a voice in that future. 
Oh, that was huge. Listen, I hope I hope you got notebooks out there. If you don't, go back and play this podcast again and take out your notebooks and write this down. Write this down. What, what I heard was building connections. Co-creation helps build connections. That's huge. It helps develop trust because you built a connection and now they're developing their trust. So now when you say something, they trust you just a teach me a little bit more than they did at first. And when they trust you, then they can tell you their problems. Not for you to solve them, but so you can identify those problems. And if you can solve them, you don't have to solve them. You can always point them in the right direction instead of you being Superman or Superwoman or Wonder Woman. And all it's going to do is increase not only your value, but your understanding about the person that you're co-creating with. This is, you know, buddy, throwing plus so change as your pro. This is this is powerful for not only school teachers and, and educators, but also for relationships, also for families. What you said, because we've 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 missed so many critical uh, parts in our our child's lives, and and we want to avoid missing these critical uh, information parts that 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 we that our children that they give us hints. They give us hints, and a lot of time I I've missed. A my daughters listen to the podcast, and you guys know I miss a lot of stuff that y'all tell me. You're trying to get me to see, and I miss it. I miss it. It's it's because of what Buddy Thornton just said. But listen, we're about to wrap things up before before we go. Buddy Thornton, wow, that was man. You know that was beautiful. What's your takeaways? What What do you want the listeners to take away from what you said tonight? I guess in a nutshell, talk about. It. Well, well, number one, you know, my theory of choice dynamics stems from Dr. William Glasser's choice theory, which he wrote a wonderful book about, and he helps people who are challenged in the uh, mental health space understand how to control the choices in their life. But choices are dynamic. The choice we make today may be perfectly valid today and totally invalid tomorrow. And it circles back to exactly what you said about victimology. We cannot predict if and when we're going to become a victim, but we certainly can make the right choices about how to get out of victimology once it does happen. Uh, a lot of people say it's inevitable. I say no, it's not inevitable. It's completely happenstance. We don't have a way to know if and when we're going to become a victim. But if we prepare ourselves to have a very strong locus of control and a positive mindset, we can always find a way to pivot back onto our path. And that is probably the most important thing about choice dynamics. Life is a giant spiral. It just keeps on moving. If we anchor on the past or we anchor on one thing that really hurt us, all we're doing is stepping off the spiral and we're getting way, way behind where we could potentially be if we would just embrace that victimology is the absolute worst choice we can make. We can't prevent it, but we can certainly get away from it once it happens. Incredible. Listen, this was another impactful night at Impact Education Leadership. We had Buddy Thorne, Post Social Change Agent, with us tonight. Topic was choice dynamics after victimology, and it was very, very Facebook. good tonight. 
Instagram.